Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen. So 
definitely a legend, and you know it's just a shame. And I know I'll talk more about it later on. It's a shame that he never, while he was still here, was able to get in the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame. But uh, we'll talk more about that later on too. We certainly will. I'm sure that's going to be a topic of conversation um, practically all night, and, and not just tonight, but moving forward. You know, should Ivan Koloff be in the Hall of Fame? I don't think that's a question. Um, and no. uh, you know, I don't think anyone. It's really not up for debate. You know, and I, and I, I know that no. what we're going to talk about really is why it hasn't happened and why it needs to happen. Uh, but the reality is, anybody who comes on this show and says it shouldn't happen is crazy. Period. Point blank. I mean, that's definitely. Just, you cannot you cannot argue that he should not be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, not only, like you said, did he did he end the one of the, perhaps the longest title reign. Um, it, I'm not sure. Um, I believe it uh, was Bruno San Martin. Yeah, I believe it had to be probably the longest title reign in World Championship history in the World Wrestling Federation now WWE. Or excuse me, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation at the time. Right. But he ultimately ended that, uh, and that became one of his most legendary moments. But one of the things I find interesting is that in a rematch, I didn't know this, uh, but in, in, in kind of looking over his career, in a rematch against Bruno San Martino when he had lost the title, Ivan Koloff was the first individual to challenge for the WWF title inside the steel cage. I never That's knew right. that. Uh, until no, I didn't, I didn't know that either. But that, well, that is a legend. I mean, that that really is a big deal because I mean, the steel cage match, you know, ultimately that tra- that has a long history in itself. But that even inspired what we know now as the Hell in a Cell, which is the biggest uh, hardcore deal, I guess you could say, in WWE today. And all that started with him challenging for the title inside the steel cage against Bruno San Martino when he had already lost it. I'm telling you, that is just is a legend uh, that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It's a shame it hasn't been done, but um, certainly hope we see that in the future. So we've got obviously that's going to be the the bulk of our show tonight. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you look at, at the guys he he faced. I mean, he ended up losing that title to uh, Pedro Morales a little bit later on, and then that went back to Bruno after uh, Stan Stasiak beat Morales, but. He fought Backlund. He fought the superstar Billy Graham. He fought you know, Bruno. He fought, fought Morales. There's probably not many legends that Ivan Koloff had to step in the ring with. I mean, you look at it, he big big time against Ric Flair. I mean, he teamed with Ric yep. Flair and went against Ric Flair. So, you know, there's not yep. many people, I, I dare you say, any legends that he has uh, somehow affected, teamed with, or, you know, or went against. But, uh, you know, it's just a shame that WWE, and you know, like I said, we'll get into more why why we think he's not in there yet later on. But it's just a shame that you put somebody, and I mean, no offense to to some of these guys, but you put somebody in there like a the Godfather, you put the Coco Beware in the Hall of Fame, and a guy like Ivan Koloff is not in that Hall of Fame. It's it's really a shame. Well, and not to take anything from those guys, but I, I gotta agree no. with you. I mean, with all due respect to them, I mean, there's no, there's really no comparison in terms of legendary what he did, as opposed to many others who have found themselves etched into the Hall of Fame. And I think it's just there's no way uh, that that the WWE should go past next year and not. I mean, next that's kind of the final 
point, I think. And, you know, There's no way they can go past that. And my feeling on that is, you know, I would love to see him get in the Hall of Fame, but, uh, you know, it was a conversation that I had with him at the Rage event, and, and that question came up about, so are you, you think you're going to go in this year? And he said, I'm going to tell you this. If I don't go up there, I'm liable to go up there and have a few words with that that McMahon kid, and we're, we're gonna have a few words. So you know, and I know, you know, I know it probably wasn't the most important thing in his life, but it, I'm sure it was. He he was looking for that recognition, and I'm sure it was important to him. And it's just a shame. Yeah. You know, it would kind of be a shame the year after he passes for them to finally put him in. You know, you could have done it while he was here. It's been a, a long time coming, and you know. Uh, I mean, I just, I just don't understand it. It's... Yeah, well, I agree, and you know, just doing a little further research as we as we honor uh, the memory of the Russian Bear Ivan Koloff. One of the things that I noticed was that he wrestled uh, title world title matches against Bruno San Martino, obviously a Hall of Famer. Right. Uh, the superstar Billy Graham, obviously a Hall of Famer, and Bob Backlund. Obviously, a Hall of Famer. He wrestled title matches against those individuals uh, for the WWF title, and every one of them are in the Hall of Fame except him. Now, at this point, I'm not sure if I'd be pleased or not for him to get the nod because, you know, it's almost. Uh, I, do I want him to get it? Sure, I do. You know, Randy Savage is a fine example of somebody inducted after their passing that certainly deserved it, uh, but. There's there's got to be a level of reconciliation there because you've got to expect right. that the family was hoping the same thing we're hoping that we were hoping oh, um, for him to get definitely. the nod before his passing and now, um, you know, I, we say all this to honor him. You know, I mean, this is this isn't a this isn't a trying this we're trying to make light of the situation obviously, but uh, Ivan Koloff no doubt deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And hopefully uh, we're going to get some more stories tonight, I'm sure, from individuals who have uh, who knew Ivan, uh, who spent time with him, who were mentored by him. Uh, we're honored tonight uh, to have here in just a moment uh, uh, ECW legend uh, and, and, can, and still current continuing pro wrestling superstar C.W. Anderson, who will be joining us momentarily. Uh, also going to have the referee Ron Mills, who was mentored in, in large part by Ivan Koloff. And then, of course, uh, later on in the show, we will have a guest who we have had on before, uh, that being uh, Seymour Snot, going to be joining us tonight. So a big, big show planned tonight, folks, and we thank yeah. you for joining us. Got a lot to talk about, and we're going to get back on uh, Ivan in just a bit. Obviously, he's going to be the majority of the show. But we have not done um, – we, haven't, we haven't, been, haven't been on the air for a few weeks, so one of the things that I'd like to talk about is something we haven't talked about yet before we get into our guest interviews. Uh, and we're going to talk about that tonight, but that is uh, the Royal Rumble. But, folks, at this time, um, I would like to introduce our first guest. Um, and we're very happy to have a, a legend in the wrestling business on the air tonight with us, um, a legend for many, many years. Uh, he was trained at the WCW Power Plant. Uh, he is an ECW legend, and he is the current uh, Pro Wrestling International uh, World Heavyweight Champion, and that is C.W. Anderson. C.W., glad to have you on the air tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. 
We are glad to have you. And, and I'll tell you, it's an honor. You know, I've got to, I got to admit to you that as a longtime pro wrestling fan, the first time I had actually gotten to see you live in action was at the Rage Wrestling Show, which was back <laughs> on January the 14th. And uh, and I'm going to tell you, I admittedly uh, regret that, but nonetheless, uh, it was an honor to see you there that night. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I was I was pulling for you. I really wanted you to, to to double up and win the Rage World Championship. It didn't happen that night. No, it it didn't happen. You you can't always be a winner, um, but may, maybe next time uh, that that can happen. I've I've always enjoyed being in the ring with Safi, and uh, you know I like being in the ring with guys that I have to test myself against. You know him, guys like Damian Wayne, guys that's always pushing me, um, and that's one of the reasons I like working with Safi. And plus, you know him being Barbarian's nephew doesn't hurt either, so he's actually learning from a huh. legend himself. Well, you've actually been with a few legends in your time. You know, I was just looking up research on Extreme Horsemen. You know, when that started, I did not realize that Barry Windham was in Extreme Horsemen with you when that started. But that had he was the actually first member there. Yeah, Yeah. that's a that's a legend right there. You know, and I'm sure you learned a lot from Barry Windham. Yeah, I I did. It was when that was during the time of Dusty Rhodes' TCW. And he was always bringing in, uh, you know, Barry. Barry was a constant on the roster, and so was Manny Fernandez. And, of course, Dusty, and then Dustin was coming in as well. So it's like every every night or every other night that I was working down there, which was the weekends, I was always in the ring with one of those four or five guys. So you have nothing but to learn from them. And then right. it was actually Dusty Rhodes' idea to form the Extreme Horseman, you because know, his, his the thing was he said I'm gonna put Barry with him with Barry Wyndham with you and Steve and of course me and Steve are such wrestling marks Steve bigger than me um, he goes he said and then, uh, he said you know you guys came from the extreme and Barry was a horseman so it just kind of makes sense to call you guys the extreme horsemen of course we were honored to be a part of that group oh definitely definitely I I mean that's you know that's where, where I got to start but. Uh, just reading a little bit, you know, you trained with WCW in the power plant. How was that? I had actually, you know, I was wrestling probably about five years before I went down there and never fully got trained. Um, so what I thought I knew was totally revamped when I got down there. The initial tryout, the three days of hell, was something that I would really, I couldn't imagine going through again. Um, no matter what age you are, it was about the worst three days I've ever I've ever done anything. Uh, <laughs> and Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker was was such a horrible person during those tryouts um, <laughs> that I, I despised him and could not imagine training him under him. And Lodi, who was one of my former students, was in Ravens Flock. He was already down there, along with Toad, who was another one of my students. And a lot of people that are from the Carolinas know these names because they wrestled so long around here. And Toad was like, you got to understand this, you know, Sarge is great. You'll love him. And I was like, I don't see how because I despise him. But I barely made it through the tryout. And I think there was 20-something, 29 of us that started on a Wednesday. And there was five of us on Friday that finished. Everybody else quit. Wow. Um, (laughs) And then I I came back the next month and started. And the first person that greeted me was Sarge and gave me the biggest hug. Um, and welcome me into the power plant. And what him and Mike Winter and Pez Watley taught me the year and a half I was there 
basically molded the character and the wrestler C.W. Anderson that people got to see on TV and they see today. Uh, just the way, just the things they taught me. Um, and then it got to a point while I was down there that Sarge had so much respect for me and Toad as far as our knowledge in wrestling and being so far advanced. Because like again, like I said, I was already wrestling. I just hadn't been fine-tuned. And the guys going through there, the Natural Born Thrillers, Lash LaRue, Mike Sanders, Elit Skipper, I was actually working with those guys in the ring, showing them stuff, basically training them. And which was odd for me. I'm sitting here wanting to be trained, and then there's some days that Sarge would have guys in the ring and couldn't work with them, and so he said, just go and uh, let CW and Toad show you these certain things, and you know, it was it is what it is. So it was, a, it was a great learning experience being down there. Let me ask uh, you, you this. Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, okay, I was so, say, Taz Watley. Taz Watley. That's, that's somebody that does not get enough credit for being a monster heel. Uh, anybody that watched the Crockett's back in 86, uh, or, or the summer of 86, especially when a member of Paul Jones' army had the big feud, <coughs> hair versus hair, going back and forth yep. with Jimmy Valiant. That guy threw a ton of heat when he turned on Jimmy Valiant and joined Paul Jones' army. He's it, a talented wrestler, too. Pez was... You know, I, I watched Pez growing up because of being around here in Raleigh. Right. Um, watching them, I was such an NWA fan, and then getting to meet Pez and hang out with him. And, you know, um, he was such a genuine guy. And, you know, there's not many people in this business that pass away that hurt me. Um, let me tell you, you know, that that get to me. You know, I, I, I've lost a lot of my ECW brethren. Um, but, you know, when Pez passed, just like when Ivan Koloff passed, it, that they hurt because I was so close to Pez, and I got to travel. You know, they would send the power plant guys on the road sometimes, so I would get to travel with Pez, and I got to know him really well. And he would always call me. He he had a name for me because uh, he wouldn't call. He called me CW, but he had a gimmick that he wanted WCW to do, and they wanted to call me JB Barrett. That was his idea because at the time I was still heavy, and he wanted me to be like Sheriff Buford T. Justice, Jackie Gleason's character in Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> he wanted me to be that character. They called me J.B. Barrett from Tupelo, Mississippi. I had to learn how to talk like um, Jackie Gleason. <laughs> I had to, you know, study it. And he would never – and hearing him call me J.B. every day, he's like, damn, J.B. <laughs> Anything I would do, <laughs> I, it still tickled me. And he told us a story one time, and it was probably the best story I have of Pez Watley that – when he was feuding with Jimmy Valiant, they had a spot where Jimmy would go out on one side of the ring, Pez would follow him, but look over the ropes. Jimmy would crawl under the ring, come out of the other side, slide in, drop kick him in the back of the head. Now, Jimmy was a light worker, so he barely touched you in anything he did. Well, he said one night they did this spot. They did it all over the territory. Jimmy come up through the ring, and he just got stuck or something. Well, about that time, a fan threw a balled-up piece of paper, and Pez said it hit me in the back of the head, and I thought it was Jimmy drop-kicking me, and he took the bump over the top <laughs> rope like it was Jimmy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I, I love that seeing is... the reaction he got when he, when he realized what had happened. <laughs> yeah. He said, I look like the biggest, his words were, I look like the biggest damn fool that ever lived. <laughs> he said that. That is great. Look, let me ask yeah. you, C.W., um, 
so talk, getting back a little bit to your, and we're going to want to talk to you about Ivan Koloff as well, so I'm glad you brought that up, and we're going to get to that uh, later on too. But one of the things I want to ask you about your time at the WCW Power Plant, one of the things I was reading was that while you were there, um, J.J. Dillon and Paul Orndor uh, claimed that you didn't have the talent uh, to become a successful wrestler. And, uh, you know, obviously they had that wrong, but I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> what kind of inspiration did that give you at the time? Did you know that at the time, or is that something you find out later? Um, no, uh, they, they told it to I, my I, face. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, they, and, the one day so there was that a house. Go ahead. They, that, that, yeah, I was just, you ever heard of somebody um, – it lighting a fire under her ass. It's fueling them. That's what mm-hmm. it is. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> they came to the power plant one day to see what kind of talent they had, what kind of students they had, and they paired everybody off. There was about 30 of us. Uh, J.J., Paul Orndorff, some other the top execs, Brad Armstrong was there, and they were wow. sitting and watching, but Brad, Brad Armstrong was standing up on the ring. Now, Again, being from this area, I was a big fan of Brad Armstrong because he was a right. very underrated wrestler with tremendous talent. So <clears throat> one of the last matches that day was my buddy Toad and I, and we had such great chemistry. So, you know, we, we did an ECW-style match all the time because that was our, our love was that style of wrestling. And we did the match. It got over with, and... We were we had the boys popping. Everything we were doing, the boys were popping, and it felt like they were fans watching us wrestle. And even after the match, Brad Armstrong comes up to him, he said, "Man, he said that's some ECW stuff right there." He said, "You guys killed it." He said, "It was great." He just kept putting us over, putting us over. So Paul and JJ pulled me to the side, and they were standing there talking. They were just, you know, they liked the match, blah blah blah. And then they said, "You know, CW, you're you're okay," and. But this is more, you know, WCW is a mar- marketing company. We, we, we're we're in the entertainment business, and we just don't really think you've got what it takes and got the look to be successful at WCW was the words they told me. And, you know, it, it's crushing, you know, I was 27 at the time, to hear that, you know, you I've been driving up there for a year and a half, busting my ass every day, or every, you know, I was up there for three days, um, training, and then them tell you that, and it was just, it was a kicking the at to just to say it to, in my teeth for them to say that to me. But it did a lot of fuel a fire under me to get better and to learn and hone everything that I was being taught there. One final question about that, and that is that um, well, and if I'm not mistaken, you also later I'm not sure how soon thereafter or what. Um, turned down a WCW, WCW contract offer. Um, did that come soon thereafter? Did it come later? It wasn't much further after that. It wasn't much. Okay. It didn't happen much. But it was. <laughs> I was already, already starting to get involved with ECW. I was. I was already making yeah. plans to go elsewhere. And you know the whole ECW thing came up by accident. So, but yeah, it was one of those to keep me around type deal, and it just won't going to happen. Yeah, wow. well, I, I, I certainly had a, a big uh, a big career, there's no doubt about that, and still having one. So I think you made the right call. Plus, uh, you're still around, and WCW isn't. <laughs> so there's, there's something to be said. Yeah. Do you, do, you, do you ever run into J.J. Dillon, Annie? And, and what does he say to you? You know, he, 
He he. That's never been brought up. He managed me not. He's managed me a couple times I, since then. Yeah. Um, he's managed me. The last time I won't say I saw him, but the last time he managed me, Dreamer and I did an I Quit for WrestleCade a few years back, and he was my manager. But that's never been brought up. I I'm not going to bring it up to rehash it. Right. Um, just just let it go because, hey, it's their it's their opinion. It's what they saw at the time, and it. Well, obviously it was wrong you know, without, because it, it, I actually turned out so. Without them telling you that, you know, who knows? You, you know, it might it may have made you work harder, and that's where you're at. Yep. That's why you're where you're at. Exactly. Today. So everything happens for so Let's you. talk about your <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your time uh, in ECW, and of course, and I think it was '99 um, when you actually made the transition mm-hmm. to ECW. I mean, obviously ECW among people who really like pro wrestling has a special place and a fond memory in uh, for, for wrestling fans. And I got to ask you, I mean, tell us about how filling the gap between, if you will, WCW power plant and JJ Dillon and Paul Orndorff really messing up their evaluation. And then you ended up being in ECW. How, what happened? It, and how'd you get the offer? I don't think there was much of a gap. It was, um, once I realized that happened and then there was so much going on down at the power plant, how how it wasn't managed right. And, you know, Sergeant Pez and those guys were doing the best they can, but it was just too much to handle that. One day, Toad um, tells me he has a tryout with ECW. And I'm like, bro, that's fantastic. He said, it's on a Sunday. He said, you know, the night before, you and I are wrestling the public enemy in South Carolina. Um, and my tryout's down in, I think it's Gaines, it was Gainesville, Georgia. He said, why don't you come with me? Um, and he said, if you can't get in the ring, at least you know, you'll get to meet everybody, do a little politic, and plus you get to see Steve Carino and Simon Diamond, who, you know, Steve and I were good friends before ECW because we used to hang together here in North Carolina and ride the roads together. Um, and at the time, I really didn't want to do it. I was like, eh, no, nah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You do what you have to do. He, he literally drug me down there. He's like, no, you're going to do it. He said, he said, maybe if I can get you in the ring, maybe we can work that out. Because he got the tryout through Lodi, through Raven, through Tommy Dreamer as a favor. So we go down, you know, we wrestle Public Enemy on a Saturday night, um, drive down and go for the tryout on Sunday. He gets in the ring. He gets in the ring that day for the tryout. He's in the ring with Angel. And it really, it wasn't smooth. It wasn't, it wasn't a really good tryout. Um, I'm standing around talking to Carino, talking to Simon, saying my hellos, introducing myself to everybody. And about that time, Nova, who's running the tryout, looks at me. He goes, he, he says, Chris, you got your gear? I was like, yeah, but, you know, it's out in the car. I won't expect you to do anything. He says, we're not going to get it, man. Let's see what you can do. I go get my gear. I put it on. Um, I run through the tryout. I'm in the ring with Simon. And I get out. And about that time, Bill Alfonso comes up to me and Nova says, you know, CW, he said, you got really good timing. He said, I love how you did this and this. And starts talking to me, and I hear somebody in, in the little the crowd say, get the ball guy back in the ring. He said, Fonzie, get the ball guy back in the ring. And I look, it's Paul Heyman. And um, so they get me back in the ring for like the next hour, and I'm running through different guys and things like that after the tryout. I'm, I'm in the back, I'm in the bathroom, and I'm spitting up blood before I've been bumping and hitting the turnbuckle so hard, just trying to show out, basically. 
Paul walks in, and uh, he walks right up to me. He sticks his hand out. He says, hey, I'm Paul Heyman. It's nice to meet you. I said, hey, Paul. I said, my name's Chris Wright. I said, it's a pleasure. Um, he said, where are you wrestling uh, at, Chris? I said, I'm at the WCW Power Plant training with them. He says, are you under contract? I said, no, sir. They really don't, you know, told me I didn't have what it takes. And he says, he, you know, he's kind of pondering. He says, what's your wrestling name? I said, C.W. Anderson. He goes, I knew it. He said, you look like Arn. You have the left punch like Arn, the spine buster like him. He said, Chris, don't leave before I speak to you by the end of the night. I said, okay. He said, you're more than welcome to hang backstage. He said, just don't leave before I talk to you. I said, well, thank you, sir. So you know, the show's getting ready to start. I'm back there, back there hanging out with everybody, kind of feeling good about myself that Paul had introduced and, you know, came up and I was talking to him. And Jim Molino, one of the referees, comes up to me and says, you're CW? I said, yes, sir. He said, follow me. I go in the back, and Paul's sitting there with Vito LaGrossa, Danny Dorn, and Roadkill. He introduces me to him and says, CW, you're tagging with Vito against Danny and Roadkill, your third match. Welcome to ECW. And that's basically how it happened. And there you go. How about that? Yep. So, so you found out that. So, so this all happened in one day. One day. Yep. Wow. I wrestled. I wrestled the third match. Um, he had Danny and Roadkill hit me with three finishes to pin me. Um, the next week, we were. He told me to make sure I was in Charlotte, and it just kind of snowballed from there. I think I wrestled once or twice on that Charlotte loop. And then it just started snowballing from there. Wow. So, so how how was it to work with Heyman? I mean, you hear all these stories about, you know, he he did this and that. I mean, we've heard other guys talk about it. But in your opinion, yep. how was it to work with Heyman? I myself, and I have, I've always been respectful to Paul for giving me my job, him and Tommy, and seeing something in me that nobody else saw. It was Paul and Tommy's idea to push me. It was Paul's idea or Tommy's idea to give me the enforcer moniker. Uh, Bill and Wiles and I got got together by mistake one night. Well, not by mistake, but it just happened. We had great chemistry. And, you know, Louis Louis Dangerously Signed Guy was we rode the road together, and it kind of just all formed to form the Dangerous Alliance. Paul, you know, from what it was a big mark for me. He loved my work. Um, he was he. They always called him an evil genius, and the, the man never slept. He had all these great ideas for everybody, and we took all night to film promos, and he had promos galore for everybody. You know, just rattling things off. So sitting there listening to him to come up with some of the ideas and some of the things, and what he was going to do was very impressive. Um, I, I, I always like working for Paul because he made us feel like, you know, we were the best company that we could basically do anything. And um, that's one of the things I've always enjoyed was, you know, know, once they give me the opportunity, I told Paul one day that, you know, once you give me the ball, I'm going to run with it because I wasn't being used. um, You know, we'd have a four-day loop and he'd use me one day and I was still new. And I told him, you know, once you give me the ball, I'm going to run with it and I'm not going to let you down. And every opportunity he gave me to to step to that next level, I did. One night he had me work with RVD in, in Chicago. It was the first time I ever stepped in a ring with RVD. And Tommy comes up to me and says, Paul wants you to work Rob tonight. He says, if you have a great match, you're going to go far in ECW. If you don't, well, you know, it is what it is. And I come through the back, had, had a great match with me. He's the first one to meet me and gives me the biggest hug. Um, 
for having this great match with Rob Van Dam. I was, you know, every time so, I stepped in the ring with somebody, I was intimidated. I won't say intimidated, but you know, you see these guys on TV, Balls and Axe, yeah. New Jack, Tommy Dreamer, <laughs> Jerry Lynn, Rob Van Dam, and you st- you're in the ring with him. And I've, I've, I'm always nervous when I new work new people, but oh, these yeah. guys, I'm extra nervous. But once the match starts, I get into a groove, and then you know, it, next thing I know, it's over with. But um, I've always, in all my interviews, have done nothing but you know praise Paul and Tommy for giving me the job and giving me the opportunity like they did. You know, I, I, I hate to the day that ECW closed, and because that was once I found out it was closing, that was a depressing part of my life because I worked sure. so hard to make it, and then all of a sudden it was taken away from me because I was promised or told I was going to be the next television champion after my I Quit match. Um, I was promised that, you know, me, we, me and Paul were going to sit down and write out my contract to um, to be signed with because up until then I wasn't signed. I was just working on a nightly basis. And, and, and I'll ask you this. Um, in terms of that, I think you went on to spend some time with WWE um, in, in various appearances. What was, was Paul Heyman instrumental? I mean, obviously you earned that, but was he instrumental in making that happen as well? Tommy called me when the WWE thing came about, and it was, uh-huh. I don't know who, I don't know if they wanted so many originals, and I was one of the ones they wanted. Tommy said it was Paul and him were going to be in charge, um, that it was going to be like the old ECW. I didn't have to go to Ohio Valley. I was, you know, it was I, me and him were going to pick our feud back up. It was basically going to be like ECW was. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm all in. Come to find out after the first night, Vince took it over, and it wasn't like that anymore. Paul and Tommy really had no more control in it. And it was, it just wasn't ECW to us from what we No, it, it, it never was. Watching, you know, and, and being – you know, I've never really. Every once in a while, you'd get around here to see ECW, but you know, when they talked about it coming back and being ECW again, I was like really excited because you would get to see it every week. And then to have it turn into what it what it became when Vince took it over, uh, it, it it was not the same as what I as the mm-hmm. little I got to see of it before. It never caught that that same ECW flavor that it had before. No, and it's a, it wasn't it wasn't going to it was it's hard to catch lightning in a bottle twice, and no matter how hard to try how how hard to try it, it's hard to do that. Um, but it's again, it, it is these things are just is what it is. You try it if it don't work, you just move on to something else. All right. Well, talk to us a little bit. You know, the, the reason, main reason we got you here tonight. Talk to us a little bit uh, about your relationship with Ivan and. and you know how that came about, and I know you you've got some things to talk talk about Ivan with us. I, he um a very instrumental part of the indie indie scene around here in North Carolina, and especially to us right. guys that started in the early nineties. You know, he trained my tag team partner, the one that helped give me the Anderson name, Pat Anderson. He trained Jimmy Cicero, Brian Pitt. Um, there were so there's so many guys he trained I ended up working with and got to you know, meet him and meet Ivan Koloff. Holy cow, that's again the guy that I grew yeah. up watching and hating. Um you you can never say enough nice things about Uncle what we called Uncle Ivan because like right. he, that's what he was to everybody, was an uncle. 
And the last time I saw him was a few months ago at Dorton Arena when we did a show and got to talk to him for a few minutes. And, you know, we talked about God and, and things like that. And, you know, that was his that, – that was Uncle Ivan's thing was, you know, going and, and speaking and giving his testimony and stuff like that. And, um, I, again, it, he he's one of those that really hurt. Um, and that, that resonated with a lot of people around – North Carolina around the parts that knew him. Um, last night for AML, we, we went out to the Tim Bell salute for George Animal Steel and, you know, Nicole Bass, who was an original, ECRW original for people that probably didn't know, uh-huh. and Uncle Ivan. Um, and it, it actually is it a somber moment when it comes to him. Um, I got to wrestle him a few times and me in the ring with him, which is an honor or something. You know, I wish today I could find the video of those things just to have for my collection. Um, but he give back to all of us and helped us out so much because one of the things that I, when I do seminars and stuff, I tell people, you know, psychology is a big thing in wrestling. And I would, I said, you know, you ask these veterans, about psychology, don't ask how to do a move, don't ask how to do, talk psychology, I said, because I was lucky enough to be able to sit down in the locker room and buddy up and get close to Wahoo McDaniel, Jimmy Valiant, and Ivan Koloff and sit there and listen to them talk. And you would sit there and you wouldn't say, um, what do you do with a certain move just that you say, Uncle Ivan, can you talk to me about psychology? And their eyes would light up because they knew <laughs> It was it was something different, something you you were a little more interested in learning the innards of wrestling than just doing moves. It, uh, we we're we're all ahead. devastated. We're all devastated with his loss, and um, and it, it keeps hard from not getting emotional talking about him. All right. I, I can't imagine. I had two conversations with him. Uh, one was in a Walmart that when he was doing his his Walmart tour, I guess would you call it, uh, and and yes. for him to talk to a total stranger like me, we talked for over an hour, and he talked to me just like he knew me my entire life, and and at the rate he does, that's what came, he did. And I mean, it was just like talking to somebody. You know, I talked to him again at the rage event, and it was just like. Just like talking to to a guy you saw every day. That's, that's how he treated you. I, I just can't can't imagine how it how it was for y'all. I mean, it was hard enough. I didn't know the man. I just knew him on TV and knew him when I saw him mm-hmm. at these two events. But it was hard enough to see that. And I, you know, my heart's go out to you guys. I know that it's a tough tough time for y'all to go through the passing of a friend and a legend like this guy. When when you, when you share the locker room with somebody like that and. Um, you know, he, he critiques things on you without even asking. And he he's just such a good spirit. He was such a kind-hearted person. And then some of the coolest things to be able to do is just to sit in the locker room and, you know, he would talk to Ricky Morton and Robert or mm-hmm. some other some other legends that would be around there, and they would talk old times and old matches and things that were happening. And you're lighting up on the inside like a little kid. <laughs> on the outside, you're trying to play cool and you're trying to just sit there yeah. and listen, but on the inside, you're going, oh, my God. And, you know, for is there a story, 
the first time I got to wrestle Dusty Rhodes was with his TCW, and it was in a bull rope match. And they're locking us up. They're strapping the bull rope to me, and they've got it strapped to Dusty. And Dusty's pacing back and forth, and he's doing his little dancing, and I'm trying to be big, bad C.W. Anderson. Now, on the outside, I'm C.W. Anderson, this badass. And on the inside, I'm going, oh, my God, I'm wrestling Dusty Rhodes in a bull rope match. This is Dusty Rhodes. That's that's how it is when you, you step in the ring with somebody that you respect, like I did Dusty and like I did Uncle Ivan. Um, and even though they're gone, I still do respect them. But being able to sit in the locker room and listen to them talk and being able to call him a friend, it, it hurts when we lose people like that. See, David, want to ask you a couple quick questions before we let you go. We appreciate you joining okay. us this evening for for a, a, an extended interview. We appreciate your time. Um, You're certainly welcome. When 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 it comes to, I've got one one question about Ivan. When it comes to him, um, what is is he universally known as, or was he universally known as one of those guys that is is going to be supportive, a mentor in the locker room? Because that's the perception we get from the outside. Well, so we have that perception about a lot of people, and we end up finding out that they're not as friendly backstage with with their peers. But I would I would be surprised if that was the case with Ivan. Ivan, I'm assuming, is no. the kind of guy who was very supportive. The the person you you met at Walmart is the person we see back we got to see backstage. I've yeah, never seen him without a smile, um, and he always he always liked would light up when he see you. And, you know, just, of course, he would remember who you were, which, you know, guys like me, it wouldn't bother me. Because you'd be surprised how many times people get my name wrong. Veterans and stuff that know me, but they call me CJ or CL or CB or something crazy. They just, and I can't really correct them because of who they are. But Uncle Ivan, he never got my name wrong. So it yeah, like he was one of those. The mentor backstage is the person you knew from Walmart. That's him, twenty four seven. We'll continue our tribute uh, of Ivan Koloff here in just a moment. I want to say um, thanks again to C W Anderson, a wrestling legend, for joining us tonight. And I got one more question for you that I haven't asked yet, C W. Steve, if you've got something, okay. that's fine too. But the last question no, I have is. Of all the people you've wrestled, uh, whether it's ECW on the independent circuit, NWWE, what have you, um, who do you think, is there anybody who stands out as this was the best chemistry I ever had or this was the best match I ever had? Is there anything that just pops into your mind when I ask that question? Yep. My um, chemistry would have to be um... – that's kind of – it's about three. Uh, Tommy Dreamer, uh, Two Cold Scorpio, and wow. um, Mas- Masato Tanaka. The, my I Quit match would be one of my top matches. It's the one I'm most known by and one I'm most remembered. Um, and that I, I had a match with Masato Tanaka where Steve Carino was, my, was standing ringside, and he said it was better than – my I quit match. The chemistry Masato Tanaka and I had was unbelievable. And the first time I wrestled Tuco Scorpio, and I've, you know, I've wrestled him several times, and um, the first time I wrestled him, he, we came in the back, and 
his first words to me was, CW, I've only had chemistry like this with two other people, and that's Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so those three, as far as chemistry and as far as matches that stand out as my I quit and my match with um with Masato Tanaka. And I think the, the whole setup for my I quit with it being at the Hammerstein and um, – Tommy told me before the match started, if we have a good match, I'm going to shake your hand afterwards. He ended up shaking my hand, and as I'm walking to the back, there's 3,000 people standing on their feet at the Hammerstein Ballroom chanting CF and Dub. They're chanting my name from a match that I just give them. And the the late Balls Mahoney, uh, when I walked through the curtain, he's standing there applauding. He said, that is one of the best effing matches that I've ever seen. And give me the big hug and, like, kiss on the cheek. He said, my God, CW, that was good. So, you know, wow. that, that that kind of stands out in my mind as well. You got anything Steven, else, Steven, you got anything else? Work? I'm good. I I'm don't, good, but folks. I know. We have just heard. We, yep. We will have CW, if he's willing to have him back on when we got more time, because there's a lot more that we could talk about with him if he's willing to come back at a later date. I'd be glad to. All right, buddy. I I really enjoy Wait. this. I, I mean, I could talk to you all night about Crockett stuff. I know you're a big fan of that, and I, that's what got <laughs> I me am. started. I, that's what got me started. I could talk to you all night about it. I've enjoyed. You don't know how much I've enjoyed hearing your stories. Uh, I thank you guys for having me on so much. Hey, thanks so much, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, pro wrestling international champion and a wrestling legend, C. W. Anderson. C. W. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good night. You too, buddy. And that, and that was C.W. Anderson, a former uh, ECW competitor and a big name in ECW, one of the biggest wrestling promotions in the history of pro wrestling. And uh, he came on tonight to talk with us about a number of things, uh, but also to pay tribute uh, to the Russian bear, Ivan Koloff. And, and as no surprise, uh, he he had a positive experience. It is really pleasing to hear people say what they have to say about, you know, a lot of people talk about The Undertaker as the kind of guy, you know, you obviously wouldn't tell this on television programming, but The Undertaker is the kind of guy, at least this is what I hear, that is one of the friendliest people backstage, always supportive, always there um, to, to, to mentor, and, and, and Ivan Koloff kind of has that same reputation, wouldn't you say, Stevie? I would say, so. I mean, you look at somebody like The Undertaker, even back, uh, just like you hear stories about the Montreal Screwjob with Bret Hart and John Michaels, that was one of the things that Michaels was worried about the most was losing Taker's respect, you know, and, and Taker looked at him because he, he was a leader of the locker room. You know, everybody went to yep. Taker if something was going on, and, and he, he headed up that locker room. So I would say that – and you look at, you hear the stories about Ivan, like what CW said about how backstage he was, you know, always smiling like that. And you watch him, especially in his in his heyday, when I watched him with the Crockett in 86, he was he was a mean-looking dude. It wasn't Uncle Ivan, the, the, the cheer guy. He was a mean dude. And, I mean, that just goes to show you how much he worked on his character. And how much he fed into that role, but you know, and just like I said, talking to him at Walmart that night, I stayed in there. Before I knew it, I had been in there over an hour talking to him. And I looked, and I was like, and, "I'm sorry, I've taken up so much of your time." He was like, 
you know, I, it's fine. You know, I've enjoyed it. So, and, 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 that, to, and that comes as no surprise, yeah, because, you know, to hear C.W. Anderson say that he's the same guy when you met him as he is backstage, it, not everybody can, can be attributed with, with that quality. So I, I no. think that really says something about him. And, and when I met him back on August the 27th, I wish I'd have met him much sooner. Uh, I, you could just tell he, he just had that vibe that uh, he is he is truly a genuine human being, and uh, it was such a pleasure to meet him. And folks, we are joined now uh, by a man who certainly was um, certainly had a relationship uh, with the Russian Bear Ivan Koloff. That is the referee Ron Mills. So happy for you to join us this evening. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate you having me. Well, we appreciate you being on, and and, and I want to ask you, folks, uh, tonight we are uh, celebrating the life, uh, the legacy uh, of the Russian Bear Ivan Kolov. You, if I'm not mistaken, of actually living close to Ivan Kolov. Tell us a little about how you met him, and uh, what kind of impact he had early in your career. Right. Well, um, just to kind of give a brief kind of history here. With Ivan, um, we actually live in the same town, which is Winterville, North Carolina. He lived um, from where I'm at now probably three to four miles, so literally right down the road. Um, it's not uncommon to see him at the post office or, you know, around town at some favorite restaurants. So that's a, a commonplace thing that, of course, we're going to miss. But as far as the backstory of knowing Ivan, um, when he first uh, moved here to the area, he would do appearances at our local Kmart or, at that time, our local Walmart store. And he would have 8 by 10s on hand, and he was raising money for the Children's Miracle Network. You could purchase a picture, and, you know, the proceeds would go there to the Miracle Network. So that's just a, a testament to the type of person he was to donate his time for charity. So the first oh, time yeah. I ran into Ivan Koloff, um, I was actually – I still had the picture because I actually looked for it the other night when, when I heard the news. And he dated the picture that I got. Um, I don't remember the specific date, but the year was 1993. So at that time, I was 11 years old. So 1993 <laughs> to 2017, what's that, 24 years that yeah. yep. I knew him. The first time I met him, I was an 11-year-old kid. I wasn't in the wrestling business, of course, at that time, but just a fan. And I had a chance to meet him you know, as a fan, and then we fast-forward probably about seven years later. I'm a senior in high school, and that's when I start meeting people in the business and breaking in the business, and Ivan's kind of always there in the background, and I've gone from a fan who's buying his picture at Walmart to sharing a locker room with him. So that's that's a very humbling and honoring experience. Definitely. So was that picture you have, was that a picture with him and Nikita? That particular picture is just a single shot of him by himself. Okay, the one I one I've got, he signed. I, I, like I said, at Walmart, it was it was one of him and Nikita that I have. So yeah, I, I, right. I've still got it somewhere around here. I've got to put my hands on it though. Yeah, yeah, I've still got it. And it's in mint condition, just like the uh, the day I, you know, my parents bought it for me. So it's something I definitely treasure. So living close to Ivan Koloff, and obviously starting your career, and you just you just actually mentioned. Uh, how humbling it was to share a locker room with him. What we get from everyone is that, and I'm certainly assuming that this is true in your case as well, is that Ivan was the kind of guy that just really 
had a strong, positive presence in the locker room. And in your history in the wrestling business, what kind of experience did you have with him in the locker room? Did he did he serve really as a mentor to you um, or, or, or something else? What kind of experience did you have? Well, I mean, certainly, you know, I'll, I'll even go a step further beyond just the, the locker room. And I'll get back to that portion in a moment. But, you know, being, like I said, the first time I met him, I'm an 11-year-old kid. And then we fast forward seven years later, I'm breaking in the wrestling business. And I was doing a project to graduate high school. And believe it or not, my father actually ran into him at a local restaurant. And he told Ivan, he said, Mr. Koloff, my son's doing a project for his high school graduation, and it's about pro wrestling, and he would like to interview you. So uh, Mr. Ivan gave my dad his telephone number, who, of course, gave it to me. I called up Mr. Koloff. And now I'm an 18-, 17-year-old kid about to graduate high school, and he gives me uh, two hours of an interview. He says, sure, I'll do an interview wow. with you. So we met, we met at a local Burger King, and I had a bunch of questions. He sat there for over two hours, and I interviewed him as an 18-year-old kid. He treated me with tremendous respect, which was, was unnecessary, but he treated me just like I was a peer. He answered all of my questions, but he was a mentor even at that time I didn't understand what a mentor was and I didn't realize what he was doing but of course he was giving the faith-based message he was telling me his testimony stay away from drugs and I did this and here's what not to do and for two hours he gave me his time and then a year later I've graduated high school I'm in the business now I'm in the locker room with him and he's the same guy that he was in 1993 <laughs> that he was in 2000 and you know in the year 2000 and now 2002, 2003, he's the same guy. He's still mentoring. He's still giving his time. He's still coaching. He's still giving his testimony. So he's been all those things over 24 years, and I saw him back in October maybe was the last time I saw him, and he was the same same guy then he was in 1993. So, I mean, still a mentor, still coaching. The point is still giving back to the business. You can definitely tell you know, in, in hearing hearing other guys talk about him, and especially, you know, of course, the main ones that, that you listen to uh, is Nikita. And when Nikita, all his interviews, when he talks about, he calls him Uncle Ivan. I mean, it just goes on and on about how he keeps in touch with him. He, he said he may not be my blood uncle, but he's, he's my uncle. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't heard – I don't think you'll hear – Many people say a bad word about him. As far as far as people in the business, you know, I can't imagine the way he carries himself and, and his attitude. That that there were there can be too many people that are better as far as mentors than Ivan Koloff. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and you know, you say that, and we all called him Uncle Ivan. You know, even Nikita says, "Hey, he's not my real uncle." But you know, his, the relationship that many of us had with him was very much like you might have with an uncle. It's, it's a blood relative that maybe you don't see every day, maybe you don't talk right. to every day, but you know that you've got that connection with, and you know if push comes to shove, they've got your back because they're blood, and you know they're there, and they're going to give you advice like a parent would or you know a sibling would. They're your uncle. They're in the background of your career development in this case or, or just your life. And that's, that's the role that Ivan had for me. He, he was an uncle-like figure. He was always in the background. And maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but he was always there giving coaching, giving advice. So very much an uncle-type relationship. 
You talked a minute ago about his faith-based message uh, that even during that two-hour interview he shared with you. Um, did he ever – Did obviously that was a big part of his life, and, uh, and, and, good, and good for him. That's wonderful. It probably be a big part of all of our lives. Um, what kind of impact did his testimony have on your life? Because you talk about that two-hour interview, and um, it sounds to me like what he shared with you was, was not just the story of his wrestling career, but also the story of his life and, and his testimony. And I'm curious how that might have affected your life after that. Um, absolutely. I mean, and I'm sitting here today. That was when I did that interview you're speaking of, the two hour interview, that was in the year 2000. So that was 17 years ago. And I cannot tell you one thing from that interview that he mentioned about professional wrestling. Okay. As big <laughs> of a fan as he was, as big of a fan as I am, I recall nothing about pro wrestling in that interview. What I recall is his testimony, was his message. So that impact is what I remember from 17 years ago from the interview, and I'll tell you this, you know, I said the last time I saw him, I think it was in October of last year, he was doing an event with Nikita Koloff. And as I do, I always went over and I spoke with uh, Miss Renee, and I spoke with Mr. Ivan, and we were just having some small chit-chat conversation. But we did not once talk about pro wrestling. The subject of our conversation was about prayer, and it was about God and the little things that how God wants to be in all parts of our life, not just we don't just want to pray when we need him or pray when, you know, give thanks when things are going good. We want to pray throughout each day, throughout all days, throughout all weeks, no matter what the scenario, good or bad, God wants to know what's going on in our lives. And I shared a story with Ivan about that. And we sat there and we talked the last time I saw him, nothing about professional wrestling. It was all about testimony. And that goes back to what he shared with me 17 years ago. And I don't remember anything about wrestling, but I remember the testimony. So that should tell you about the impact right there. There is no doubt that uh, Ivan Koloff was a genuine man and, and, and that his testimony was just as genuine. Uh, and certainly certainly Absolutely. made clear tonight in, in our interview of referee Ron Mills. Uh, Ron, appreciate you joining us this evening. Uh, we really do to, to, to pay tribute uh, to the late, great uh, Ivan Kolov. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. He's certainly worthy of uh, all the recognition. Absolutely. We're going to miss him. Thanks so much for your words. And that is the referee, Ron Mills. And I'll tell you, uh, it's so much fun to have uh, have him on because he is, you know, one of the greatest uh, referees I've ever seen live. Uh, and he's <laughs> been at every Rage event so far. He's really good. And uh, I thoroughly enjoy watching him do work. And, you know, the po- I'll tell you, backstage, he's a very positive guy, and uh, I don't think it's any secret where he learned that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and to listen to him, you know, can you imagine sitting there? You know, it was it was wild enough for me to be able to sit there and talk for an hour, hour with him, but to do a two-hour interview when you're 17 years old with this guy that you – that you've watched in in the ring over and over again, you know that's that's pretty good. That, I mean, imagine you. Will, I don't know how many wrestlers nowadays you'll find that would take two hours to sit there and talk to a seventeen year old kid for his high school project. I mean, yeah, or or to spend an hour with you talking or anybody. Exactly. You know, it's just it's it's a real testament to who he was. 
you know, and one thing we need, we do need to talk about, we need to push a little bit here, Lance, is, is the, if you'll let me do it, the Ivan Koloff Memorial Show that's coming up in uh, Kinston. Yep. Uh, it's going to be high-volume pro wrestling. It's going to be April the 1st. Doors will open at 6.30. The bell time is 7.30. Buy the tickets at the door. Uh, the age is 13 and up. It's $12. If you're 5 to 12, it's $6. And at 4 and under, is free. And all the ticket sales will go to Ivan's wife. And that'll be at the Kinston Salvation Army. I think the address is 2110 North Queen Street in Kinston. And we will have this up on the Broad for All site. But, you know, it, it, I think there, were, there was talk earlier in the week, even if you can't make it to the show, they were trying to set something up maybe where you could donate if if possible. But uh, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, stars at this show, and, and it's for a good cause. I mean, really, you know, to help pay some of these medical bills, the funeral expenses, whatever, to help with, with Ivan's wife and uh, – yeah, I, I'm certainly thinking about going if I'm able to uh, to make the trip to Kinston, but uh, we we really want to push that, and anybody that contends, it would be appreciated. Absolutely, and Stevie, can you get, just for, just in case our listeners didn't catch that date, can you give us the date once more and location? It's April April the first, and that's in April first, and it's in Kinston. And, and like North I said, like I said, if you're on the Brawl Facebook site it, it is is posted on there and I will be posting it again. Uh, the poster up there with Ivan's picture has all the details on it. Uh, I haven't seen a website for it yet. I, I will go and, and see if I can find out something like that, and maybe we can find out more when we have a uh, our next guest come on. Maybe see more knows a little bit more details about whether you can donate or not. But uh, this is definitely a good cause, guys, and you know that it, it's the least you can do for. For somebody that has given forth so much time and effort in, in his life and, and giving his testimony and, and helping others, you know, it's the least you could do for this guy. Absolutely, absolutely. And, folks, uh, we want to remind everyone that you can like us on Facebook and you will be able to see more information on that event coming up April 1st in Kinston, North Carolina, to honor the late, great uh hopefully soon to be Hall of Famer, Russian Bear Ivan Koloff. And, of course, we have another guest coming on tonight. Uh, he'll be joining us in about uh, just over 12 minutes, and that is, of course, uh, Seymour Snot, um, a man who has been a staple, really, so far in raid wrestling. But not just that, but also the independent circuit throughout uh, North Carolina and other parts of the East Coast. And uh, excited to have him on here in just a bit. We've had him on before, and uh, it should be fun to talk to him about not only his career, but also uh, his experience with the Russian bear as well. So let's, while we've got a moment here, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about something we haven't talked about yet, and that is the Royal Rumble. Um, so I don't think either of us <laughs> called that happen. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I, I when we – yeah, I, well, we both broke this down. I think we both agreed that The Undertaker was going to win the Royal Rumble. And, of course, that didn't happen. In fact, uh, far from it, um, Randy Orton's named the winner of the Royal Rumble. Now, <laughs> did you immediately know where they were heading once that, once that happened? Well, I thought I did, uh, but, you know, and I still think I am, but they're trying to throw little roadblocks in the way now with, I guess, Orton refusing to face 
uh, Bray at, at WrestleMania. I still think that's coming. Uh, but, you know, as far as Royal Rumbles go, this this year's Royal Rumble, I would have to say, was probably, the, if not the worst, one of the worst Royal Rumbles I've ever watched. There was no surprise. Now, are you talking about the match itself? Well, yeah, pretty much. You know, oh, you had no show. surprises. Okay. Yeah, you had no surprises. All, and, you know, many people, including myself, expect when you see Roy Rumble it, to see somebody come back, if it's not for just one night, uh, the, a surprise interval, somebody make their comeback that night. And there were several people that could have made their comeback that night, but, you know, didn't. But, you know, I just really think it was a big letdown as far as far as the rumble goes. You know, one of the worst I've ever seen. Well, I will say that I think what replaced that element of surprise in some return stars this year was the announced stars that were going to be in the event. You know, for instance, Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker. Right. Um, well. Which certainly was star study. But I got it. I got to say I agree with you in that um, not having one of them win it uh, certainly yeah. makes us wonder what how else it would have been compensated for. Maybe I was looking for the return star as well. And then the worst booking in perhaps the last five years, in my opinion, okay, the 30th entrant to the Royal Rumble. Now, you've had no <laughs> surprises the whole night, okay, no surprises the whole night. The, you've got to expect that people were expecting a surprise, particularly um, once some bigger stars had been eliminated. And right. then they decide to send out as a 30th entrant the most hated face in the last <laughs> 10 years. The, what was the idea think, behind that booking? I, I'm almost, I'm almost, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm almost thinking that was nothing but Vince's way of saying, this is my guy, and I'm going to stuff him down your face. You can boo him all you want to, but you're going to have to deal with it. I almost think it was done to prove a point to the fans and, and to almost make them mad. I don't know if he figured if he made them mad, even madder than they were, they would watch more or what, but I, I really think that was just done to prove a point because uh, a lot of people figuring Samoa Joe would probably be, he's got to be coming, he's got to be coming. Right. And uh, then you send out Roman Reigns. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how what Vince was thinking, but that's the only way thing I can figure. It was done to prove a point. Well, if you remember correctly, well, you and I we didn't really talk much about Samoa Joe. We mentioned it on that show uh, that Samoa right. Joe would probably make his appearance that night, but we were just kind of expecting that to be a done deal. <laughs> and so, yeah, when that thirtieth spot. Was still with no. I was like, I just knew. I was like, oh yeah, that's that's definitely it. You know, that's that's gonna be a surprise. And of course, he's not a return star like a, you know, a Diesel uh, we've seen in years past or a Cactus Jack. Well, you know, Google. but I mean, hey, that would be exciting, right? Oh, instead, right. we get what we got. And you know, I hate to say this, but I, if there was a point trying to be proven, um, it's done nothing but. <laughs> put people like me and you on a show and talk about how poor of a booking it was because yeah. if if that's if that was the idea was to make a point well point well received okay well but, and then and then and then you bring back some old Joe the next night on raw 
you bring him out there the next final row. So, you know, what have you there? <laughs> you know, you waste you waste it on your pay-per-view. Unless you were doing it just to try to uh, throw everybody off, say, well, you think he's coming here and he's coming to Raw. But, you know, everybody knew he was coming eventually, but you you, you put it on Raw the next night instead of your, your big pay-per-view. You know, I, I think they dropped the ball big time on that. Well, let's talk about something that did go well that night, and that is John Cena and AJ Styles. What a probably, tremendous Probably match. one of the best matches I've seen in years. And I, it's surprising enough, you know, I was surprised because Cena was involved. And, you know, people talk about Cena. And, and Cena's pretty much a, a punch, punching, three-move, four-move kind of guy. But... It's something about when you get the right chemistry with another guy that they bring something else out of you. And him and AJ Styles have that chemistry in a few matches that they've wrestled. But this one popped all up. Uh, you know, he AJ really brought the best out of Cena and vice versa. I think Cena brings the best out of, of AJ. AJ made that point uh, a couple of days ago in an interview. said he's one of the greatest he's ever stepped in the ring with. So, you know, AJ's granted he hadn't been on the the big time with WWE for long, but he AJ's wrestled a lot of guys, and you know, when you say Cena was one of the the best he's ever stepped in the ring with, that's that's saying a lot. So yeah, probably well, match I, of the year candidate right there. And I'm not a huge fan, to be honest, of John Cena's, but he, one thing I am not naive about is that he is one of the best, if not the best, in the business today. And that is, you know, I would certainly say the two of them are top-notch. And to put them in the ring like Definitely. they did, that was that that was the highlight to me of the night. Um, I don't get excited about John Cena matches, to be honest, because I'm a little burnt out. <laughs> but I really yeah. am. But that was tremendous. In fact, I'm more excited about seeing John Cena wrestle after that than I ever was before. But, you know, I, I really don't think top what he did with, with AJ that night. You, you're going to see him, and you're probably going to see him against the Miz at WrestleMania with with the, his girlfriend and, and with Maurice with Miz. So uh, I don't think that'll top what he did with AJ that night. No, and can I ask you, is that expected to be a mixed tag match? Yes. I, I think we said the last the last podcast we did. I told you that that was probably coming, and they set it yep. up the other night with Maurice attacking. Was it Nikki? I can't never remember. I think it's Nikki, and with uh, Miz coming out there and coming back after he was eliminating and eliminating Cena. So that right there sets everything up. Headed well, to the WrestleMania, right. so Cena will not. Cena won't be fighting for a belt at WrestleMania. Well, and and you know, nor will AJ Styles most likely. You know, um, well, I don't know. And there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about after WrestleMania too, and and I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around that Cena's taking time off. And I mean, uh, a lot of talk about some some bad blood maybe between him and the higher ups in WWE, what have you, whoever you want to say, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think you'll see Cena for a while after WrestleMania. Why do you think there's bad blood? 
I, I really don't I don't I haven't heard what it could be. Uh but you know, Cena's got a lot of side projects going on. And Cena's getting up there and, and, and he's been around a while. He may want to take some time off and they they don't think it's a good time for him to take time off. Could be something like that or it just could I, I really don't know. You don't I haven't heard a lot about what it could be. Yeah. Uh well, but, it'll be interesting to see because we're certainly not going to see him fight the Undertaker at WrestleMania. Um, no, that, that was not long. Up that that was long to be expected. And let me also note that we will not see the Undertaker fight Goldberg at WrestleMania, which I long ago predicted. But hey, we are going to see Goldberg at WrestleMania. We're going to see him fight Brock Lesnar again. And there's no way, shape, or form that Brock Lesnar does not win this match. And uh, there's there there is no way. I mean, agree or disagree. It, Oh, well, I'm not saying that. I mean, there's there's a lot of talk about, you know, Goldberg was supposed to be one match, Survivor Series, that was going to be it with Lesnar. Now it's turned into, okay, I'm going to Royal Rumble, and I'll, now he's getting a title shot at Fastlane. So oh, he's going to be a champ. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Do you think they put the, the strap on with Lesnar at WrestleMania? I mean... Well, I tell you, you know, if the, if it, it the all traps were not how, involved, yeah, yeah, what, if, if the straps were not saying. involved, if the straps were not involved, there's no way Lesnar loses that match. Okay, but because they're involved, and it's hard to tell. You're looking at two part timers who are not going to be around long after WrestleMania. Okay, so exactly. you're gonna have Somebody's going to drop the title. Surely somebody is going to drop the title. Now, if that match goes on last, because it will be for a title, So, right. and I can't possibly imagine, I really cannot imagine putting Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton on as the main event over Goldberg and Lesnar. I, I just, you know, I don't see that. And if, no disrespect to either of those two gentlemen, but uh, if those two go on last, Goldberg and Lesnar, and Goldberg wins, you know, who is going to beat Goldberg? Because it's not going to be Lesnar. If Lesnar loses, we're going to see him. It's going to be a while till we see him again. <laughs> okay, There's no way you can, you can hold your value and lose like that. Well, technically twice, but three times with the elimination. Okay, But if he ends up winning the match and retaining the title, leaving WrestleMania. I just don't see who they've got on the roster that they expect, unless it's shady, to beat him. I mean, what makes okay. sense? Two, two words here. The authority. Okay. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not. Okay. But Triple H is, is, is creating his own little group right now, reforming the authority. Replaced Seth Rollins with Kevin Owens. He's got his little enforcer now with Samoa Joe. So what makes you think Kevin Owens, with the help of Samoa Joe, can't beat Goldberg or Lesnar? That's now, are you saying? Oh, right hold on there. now. Are you are you saying are you saying that happens at Fastlane, or are you saying that happens? No, no. At, I'm saying uh, you're saying you after WrestleMania. If you leave the belt on, well, if either one of them comes out with the belt, I would say it was more likely 
if they would do that, that Goldberg would keep the belt because he's the face and have Owens to get his belt back with the help of Samoa Joe. You know, okay. there, there's gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and Triple H too, because you're gonna. I think you're gonna start seeing Triple H more, more as a figure on Raw now. Uh, I think their plans are kind of up and still up in the air as far as his match with Seth Rollins due to that knee injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one one week you hear, oh, he'll be able to do it, and then the next week, he may be able to be involved in some kind of outside interference in the match but not actually wrestle, uh, you know, it, it's still up and down what they're going to do with Seth Rollins and Triple H. Well, we will certainly see a lot to still be told uh, prior to WrestleMania. But um, one of the, obviously I'm glad we broke that down, but I want to get back now to our tribute to the Russian bear, Ivan Kolov, as we welcome our third and final guest of the evening, uh, and a, a really a staple in wrestling in North Carolina, not only in North Carolina, but also other places, but also Rage Wrestling, where uh, he has made two appearances and has become an, a big fan favorite, uh, and that is Seymour Snot. Seymour, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. How are you doing tonight, Glad buddy? to have you. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been uh, it's been a warm winter, but so far I can't complain. <laughs> well, that that is that is good. We're glad to have you on as we continue our tribute to Ivan Koloff. So, um, I, I was I follow you on social media, and one of the things I think I saw you post recently um, was, and I know, I know I saw you post something about Ivan. Uh, when did you meet Ivan? Um, because when I was reading the post, I was like, well, did he meet him last year or did he meet him beforehand? When did you get a chance to meet Ivan for the first time? Uh, it might have been probably when I first moved down here to North Carolina, which was probably about 2002, um, yeah. maybe three. I, I got to know him. So it's it's been probably about, I'd say, about 14 years. Okay, so you got, and maybe maybe I what I saw was that you got a chance to reconnect with him last August. Was that right? That's right. Gotcha. Okay. So what kind? Of, so obviously you were you when you met him uh, back in I think you said '03. Uh, it was a you obviously met a legend. Tell me about your experience when you met him, and uh, and and what kind of impact his career might have had on on you. Um, well, more or less, um, I was he had more of an impact as far as like, uh, you know, like, cause I was one of the few guys that did, did a gimmick. So, and, uh, I think he was really open more to that. Plus I knew a few people that had been friends with him. So I kind of got in with him through that. So, um, he was really nice to me. He gave me a lot of advice as far as like, you know, he's like, Oh, he's one of the few guys that uses a gimmick around here. And, you know, of course, you know, we, we all know the story about him and, and um, some of the things about his past and, you know, I mean, the thing about it is, is that uh, what we do, obviously, you know, it says wrestling aren't the marquee, but um, it is, it is a form of entertainment. And I think he was one of the most successful guys that really ever have a gimmick in the industry. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, well, he really if you watched any, yeah, you watch him back in, I mean, and I got, started watching uh, wrestling like 85 uh, back when the big feud at the time was Rock and Roll Express against the Russians. And, I mean, and you're talking about somebody 
when they had matches with the Rock and Roll Express, they didn't just have heat. They had white heat. I mean, people were looking to outside the ring to hurt them because they were hurting Ricky Morton and Rob Histon. So, yeah, he took that gimmick and and really, I mean, people actually absolutely hated them. I mean, he took the Russian gimmick and he made it really work for him. So, Simon, let me talk to you a little bit about uh, one of the things that we're talking about tonight, really not debating, because to be quite frank, I really don't know that there's anything to debate. But, I mean, you're a guy who has tremendous, has had tremendous successes in the wrestling business. Uh, and from your perspective as a wrestler, because we are, we're doing the podcast, we're the fans as well. Um, but from a guy who's in the business, who's actually uh, wrestling to date, what is your what is your perception of the fact that Ivan Kolov is not currently in the Hall of Fame? Do you think that there's value in it, and do you think that he belongs there? Um, do you think it's necessary at this point or not? I'm curious from a perspective from inside the wrestling business as opposed to the fans. Well, I, I think definitely yes. I, I think he does belong in especially the WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, he's a former world champion, and he has, you know, he's been there for, um, right, I think he worked uh, he worked for the WWE probably, you know, from the early 70s until the mid-80s, really until mm-hmm. he committed more or less to Crockett. So, and plus, even with Crockett, too, and, and world championship wrestling and that, you know, he's definitely made himself a, um, a name and a staple in the wrestling business. So, I think you know, a definite yes, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, it's just a matter of how they they pick and choose guys to go in there. I mean, definitely he probably should have been in the Hall of Fame before, uh, you know, like uh, a few of the people they've put in there. You know, like celebrities, eh, that's kind of a different thing. But um, some of the other wrestlers and that, you know, it's like I think Ivan probably should have been included uh, especially when you started bringing in guys like Bruno San Martino and Bob Backlund, especially. Yeah. So uh, yes, he's definitely a uh, a Hall of Fame. You know, they they really need to put him in there. You know, as soon as they can, and or you know, hopefully, if it's not this year, hopefully next year. But um, you know, it's like a few people have said. You know, like when they put the Four Horsemen in there, it's like why isn't Arn Anderson in there by himself? You know. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I, I mean, <laughs> you got, but you, you know, it's just like you said, you got a former world champion, and we talked about him last week. Uh, talked about back and forth. He ended one of the greatest, or the longest title reign, and one of the greatest world champions they've ever had. He ended his title run, and you know, and I'm not meaning any disrespect to any other wrestlers because I know they all worked hard, but you know, guys that have that world championship and not just something that was a fluke. You know, Ivan, just like you said, he worked with WWE till the mid-80s, and then when he committed to Crockett, uh, multiple world tag team champion, uh, U.S. tag team champion. And, and you know, you got a guy that, that has had a great career and needed to be in before some of those guys that got in. I mean, come on. <laughs> and, and, I mean, there there's a lot of – Stories about one thing saying why why he didn't get in, possibly, and, and but you know, even before that happened, 
they they should have had him in there before then, in my opinion. That's, and that's just my right. opinion. But yeah, 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 certainly. So, um, I want to ask you a couple more questions. So, when you got a chance to reconnect with him back in August, um, was he the same guy you had known when you first met him, or um, tell us about that experience? Uh, he was a little bit more welcoming. He'd known me for a few years, and, you know, he, he'd he seen me around, so it wasn't like I was just, you know, some guy off the street again. So uh, he was yeah. definitely nice, um, very cordial, um, gave me a lot of, you know, advice and that, like my gimmick. So um, just a class act all the way. Yeah, so what kind – and I'm curious of – uh, you know, when you look at guys who have had an influence on your career, I mean, you, you, you noted that he had a gimmick and you've got a gimmick. And you're right, there's not a lot of that, it seems, uh, as well, at least as much as it used to be. And you think that's why he connected with you so strongly when you guys first met? I think so. Um, usually, like most of us, uh, the guys that have done wrestling gimmicks before in the past, um, we're kind of like in our own we're kind of in our own niche if, if you, if you want to know, cause we're the guys who go out there and it's like, you know, I mean, um, the best way to put it is like a wrestling, the, the perfect wrestling card is almost like, you know, it's like going to the circus, you know, you have your strong men and your acrobats and your clowns and your freaks and everything. And you have to kind of, you know, give people a variety, you know, and I think that sometimes, you know, people just don't get enough of it, and um, I'm out there to change it up a little bit, so that's what I see from my perspective. Fantastic. Well, we have, Seymour, we appreciate you coming on tonight as we honor uh, the legacy of Ivan Koloff, um, a, a, one of the greatest, certainly a Hall of Famer uh, in our eyes, and certainly uh, hope to, hope to uh, see him in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, we appreciate you sharing your experience um, that you had with him uh, on our tribute show tonight, and uh, look forward to having you. I really want to get you back on to at some point and talk a little bit more about your career, uh, and uh, we hope you'll join us again. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm down for whatever. I'll be more than happy to do it again. Thanks so much. All right. We appreciate it. And that is, appreciate that it, is Seymour Snot. Seymour right. Snot of Rage Wrestling as well as many other wrestling uh, promotions in the independent circuit. I'll tell you, he's a really cool guy. I mean, you, you like his character, obviously. Um, he's a fan favorite. He's a face. Uh, but just backstage, really a nice guy as well. I mean, super, super guy. And he's great with the kids at a show, too, as you probably are well aware of, having a daughter who is a big, I think, a big fan of Seymour. Yeah, one of, probably one of his biggest fans. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she really took to him just hearing his name before the first Rage event. She, uh, right. Well, that's the guy I'm going to pull for right there, Seymour Snot. You know, she came dressed like him that night, that first night. And she always looks forward to hearing if we got, when we got a, a card coming up, it's, if he's going to be there. So, yeah, he's definitely a fan favorite. Well, and, and, you know, just like you said, a, a great guy in the, in the locker room, too. He is a fan favorite and certainly glad to have him on tonight. So, 
let's let's you and I talk a little bit about Ivan before we close the show tonight. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is I'm fairly new in the wrestling business, and you are as well, and you've got more experience with Mr. Koloff than I do. I had a chance to meet him on August the 27th, but it was extremely brief. But even hearing his testimony that night and everything that has really been said tonight just validates that he is one of the most genuine people you'll meet in, in what has been coined by many as really a cutthroat industry. And uh, he found a way to keep it positive and, and be the man he was. That's just something really special about that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys nowadays could learn from that. <laughs> from that, I mean, oh yeah, you know, having the interaction with him, and and it really was my first interaction with an actual pro wrestler. That you know, and so I I went into it thinking, you know, I may talk to him for a few minutes. I'll I'll buy the picture, and uh, you know, just have a little just to get to say hello to him and, and talk to him for like five minutes would would be awesome. But, you know, the guy sat there with the, for an hour with me and answered, yep. just, you know, he answered all my questions and he talked about what he had done, what he, what he wished he hadn't done. And, you know, just like uh, Ron Neal said, to stay away from the drugs. He said, I, I'd have my time with that. And, uh, you know, how many wrestlers nowadays do you think would sit there and talk to somebody for an hour? I know we 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 keep coming back to that, but how many do you think would sit there and talk to somebody for an hour like that? With, unless to be you, frank, not many. I can probably count them on one hand. I don't even know who they are, but probably no you one. You know, and, or, or a legend like him, a guy that's, that's been a world champion several times over in tag teams and singles, and, and, and to sit there and talk to a guy, like me in Walmart that, and I mean, I, and I'm totally, by that time, I'm totally marking out after I talked to him for 15 minutes and just telling him how, how great it was to see him on TV and telling him about the first time I saw him in Dorton arena in August of 86, you know, that was, and, and, it, and to see him sit there and he's smiling the whole time. Never once did you see, you know, go, okay, guy, I've had enough, you know, that's, that's enough. Let's, and it was me that ended the conversation because I realized that I said, "Gosh, I I took up too much of your time." And he was and he was just like, "Oh no, it's no problem. I love talking about this stuff. Uh, just a just a great guy." And probably, you know, I, I still that's what really gets me about the Hall of Fame thing. You got a guy that that worked his butt off for however many years he was in it. I don't even know at forty. 40 years in the, in the business and all the accolades he got and you still don't put him in there. And that, you know, and the, there a lot of talk about this class action lawsuit that he's, he's a, that think he's a part of against the WWE that some of these wrestlers have kept him out. But my point is there was, that was, that was four or five years ago when that happened. He should have been in before that. I mean, you know, yeah, you got, Frank. Yeah. you know, he, he's, he's so deserving and to see him not get in there. And I'm not just saying this because he's gone. I'm not just saying it because he was, he, when we said it before, because he was sick, we didn't know he was sick when we talked about it before, you know, and yeah. I, I, it just, it just, 
excuse me, to see to, to hear him talk about it at, at in August when he talked to me about it, I knew it was important to him. And you know, you you hate to see him not get be here. If it does happen, you hate to see it happen, and he's not here to see it. But at least he will get in there, and the family will 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 get to celebrate his accomplishments if he does get in. Yep. Well, and, and at this point, um, you know, I, I kind of thought about it uh, and thought to myself, gosh, at this point, you know, doesn't that just, you know, knowing the man and knowing how special it would have been to him to be asked to be in the Hall of Fame um, and then not get the chance, it shows me a couple things. Okay. It shows me that... Uh, top personnel at WWE took that lawsuit personally. Um, That is certainly no indication to me that uh, of anything different than I ever thought because um, Vince McMahon takes it very personally and, you know, it is what it is. Um, I might would do the same. I don't know. Um, At this point, though, um, Forget the fact that the, the, the Russian bear has passed on. Um, we said, like you said, we said before, he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he still deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And despite the fact that he won't get to enjoy uh, that accomplishment, uh, it would be a it, it would be special for his family, and it is well deserved. And it certainly is not warranted by his passing. Uh, it's warranted by his legacy. Definitely. And if you want to, I'm going to try to post it up here on the Bravo All site. There's a guy that's, and I'm going to give credit to him right here, the post and the courier.com. There's an article that a guy, Mike Mooneyham, wrote about WWE, Ivan Koloff, and an opportunity missed. And if you really want to get, to see, get down to it, and 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 how WWE dropped the ball with not putting in for that. You need to read this article, and I will try to get that posted up to Brawl for our site. But it's a really good article about how they missed an opportunity to to get him in the Hall of Fame before he passed, and you know, and hoping that they'll they'll do the right thing and get him in soon. But you know, it's it's not just. I mean, you, any wrestling fan true wrestling fan over the last 20 years, not even 20 years, but even now that, that here's the name. If you ever go back and look, you see Ivan Koloff. He's a legend. You know, it's no, it's a no brainer that he needs to be in the hall of fame. I mean, it, and I mean, you sit there and listen to a guy like CW Anderson talking about how it hurt. He was one of the few that it hurt when he passed. That right there says enough about how genuine a guy Ivan is. You add that, how well-liked he was, how genuine he was, and to the accomplishments he had, it's a no-brainer that he should be in there. you got people in there that, that were two or three years in the business or in WWE and accomplished nothing or in trouble all the time now, and they've got a Hall of Fame ring. I mean, and I'm not going to say the names, but, uh, you know, there's no, you know, I don't understand the 
the selection process for this. I don't know if it's who Brown noses you enough or or what, but you know you got to have a better selection for a true Hall of Fame. There needs to be uh, another Hall of Fame that that goes by accomplishments and and accolades that these guys get and, and doesn't hold personal grudges. So you know, and I, I mean, I'm like you. The lawsuit probably had a lot to do with it. But come on, he should have been in before that even happened. And I agree. Yeah, and, and you know, um, I'm going to say this too. Um, the reality is that it devalues the product, which is the Hall of Fame, when you are selected based on accomplishments with a asterisk noting that you got to be in good with everybody too. It To me, it devalues the whole thing when a guy like Ivan Koloff is not in the Hall of Fame, but Arnold Schwarzenegger is. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it, that, it is what it is. I mean, you know, it devalues, in my mind, the product and, um, and how important well, it is to be named to a Hall of Fame. Because you know what? Let's just be honest here, okay? Wrestling, I mean, uh, were, was a lot of his accomplishments planned? Yeah, sure they were. I mean, let's just be frank here, you know what I mean? Did they know going in that night that Koloff was going to end the, the reign of Bruno San Martino? Sure they did. It's sports entertainment, as they call it now. Okay? But his forget his forget the titles, forget everything. Look at the guy's character, kind of like Seymour was talking about. Yep. He had a gimmick, and he was so good at it. And if sports entertainment's ideal is to be good at being an entertainer, not only was the Russian Bear a good wrestler, he was a good entertainer. And you no can't, doubt. like you said earlier, like you said earlier, I mean, the people really wanted to get in there and hurt him because they thought yeah. he was really hurting his opponents. And that is a testament to no one but Ivan. I mean, it's a different day and time today than it was back uh in the, in the mid-'80s, uh, like I said, uh, the, there wasn't a lot of room around rings. And, 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 you know, these wrestlers would get these people so mad, they honestly were were in, in danger at ringside because these people could get so close to them. Uh, one, if you look at some of these cage matches, there's, there's cage matches where guys were – trying to get out of the cage. The bad guys were trying to get out of the cage, and the people had surrounded the cage, so they had to go back in there and beat up the good guys more until the security could get down there to clear it. And, and you know, I look at, if you look at one match, that or two matches that I can think of, Ivan, that really I've watched over and over again, and both of them were against the Rock and Roll Express. If you watch the one in Shelby, the Rock and Roll Express debuted and beat... Ivan and, and Crusher Khrushchev for the tag belts. And then the one at Starcade 85 in the cage, Ivan and Nikita versus the Rock and Roll Express. If you look at those two matches right there, I mean, that was Ivan at the top of his gimmick. I mean, he was, he had the, the two rushes, he had Nikita and, and Crusher with him. And, 
you know, they were having success and the people were hating it because, you know, the Russians are coming to take over. And that was the message they were preaching. We're coming to take over. And when Nikita won the U.S. belt and Ivan was in his corner, you know, people were like, oh, wow, a Russian just won the U.S. belt. And they were ticked off. I mean, ticked off. So that's just <laughs> a testament to Ivan and Nikita because, you know, they beat everybody's All-American Magnum T.A. for the U.S. belt. And, and, and to have the U.S. belt on a Russian. And they flaunted it, boy. They played it to the T. And you, you really, anybody needs to go back and look at that era about that time when Nikita won the U.S. belt from Magnum and that whole feud. They really played it to the T. They definitely did. And, and you're right. I mean, even I, even I have gone back and watched some of the clips and seen where they true. I mean, people thought the Russians were taking over. And, uh, <laughs> And I, you know, we laugh about it, but he he had a tremendous part in that. And uh, you know, something else I'll, I'll note before we close is that, and this is most interesting because we had an ECW legend in C.W. Anderson on earlier tonight. I did not realize that Ivan Koloff appeared on the very first ECW card in 1992. No, I didn't realize. Uh, he, yep, that's right. Yep, he did. Uh, in 1992, appeared on the very first ECW card, and of course, uh, later an ECW legend uh, to admire him like he does. It's just, uh, it was tremendous having C.W. Anderson on tonight. It was uh, excellent uh, to hear from Ron Mills, who really uh, has has a story of faith in his experience with Ivan, and then of course to hear Seymour. Uh, a, a kind of a wrestling perspective, a guy who met him more recently, talk about him. Uh, it was just a tremendous night. Stevie, uh, great job putting together our, our guest tonight, and uh, I'll give you the final you word too, buddy. Ivan, in this tribute show. Oh, uh, you know, really, like I think we've said it all, uh, what, a, what a great guy he was, not just a great wrestler, but just a, a genuine great guy. And, and, it's sad, and I know I've I've it. It's it really, it's really something that means a lot to me. I like I said, I only met the guy twice, but it's really important to me that he does get in the Hall of Fame because I know he deserved it. He deserved it before I met him, uh, and, and just to meet the guy, you, you you want it more and more for him after you meet the guy. See how genuine he is, and and you know everybody that can come out to this show, we really need. You really need to go to the show to try to help out his family. Uh, like I said, April 1st, the doors open at 6.30, the bell time 7.30. $12, ages 13 and up, $6, ages 5 to 12, and then 4 and under are free. It's in Kenton at the Kenton Salvation Army, 2110 North Queen Street, and that'll be April the 1st, high-volume pro wrestling putting on. So everybody that can go out, please go out and help his, help, help his wife and his family with the, with these uh expenses and that's all i've got lance all right stevie always a pleasure uh on brawl for all we'll pick back up next week with news and analysis and of course you'll be uh the expert on all of that and uh but tonight we felt it uh, most most appropriate to have a tribute uh to ivan Koloff, and i want to thank stevie uh, really for putting that together stevie always a pleasure same here buddy and one final word, and that is this. 
Uh, tonight, I won't spend time plugging how you can hear us on our podcast. I won't spend time on the social media outlets as well. What I will say is this, is that tonight we heard a lot about the Russian bear, Ivan Kolov. We heard a lot about his wrestling career. We heard a lot about how he should be in the Hall of Fame, and all that is true. But one thing I think that he would want you to know more than anything is his testimony. And I got the opportunity to hear that for the very first time last August. And I will say this, and that is that Ivan Koloff, more than he was a pro wrestler and a legendary entertainer, was a Christian. And he is certainly spending his days now in a better place than even he did here. Thanks, folks, for joining us tonight as we pay tribute to the Russian bear, Ivan Koloff. So long.